I had my, no idea. So I mained uh, Oriana in League of Legends. Is the, she in the show? Not yet. Okay. Uh, she is a clockwork. Oh, okay. Creation. Yep. That so makes that maybe makes more sense maybe that next you would season? like that more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She and she throws a, and of course she is an overly complicated character that requires way more micro than <laughs> I would ever be good at. So of course I am attracted to whatever is the most micro intensive and also doesn't work like any other hero, especially when she was introduced. Like you have to you manage her ball separately from her oh yeah that's yeah you're gonna be good at that (laughs) so that's exactly what i wanted to play (laughs) welcome to dungeons and dinners where the love of fantasy is food for thought i'm your host brett lindley and that was a sample of something a little bit different today i brought walker near on as well as the whole pick up your sticks podcast onto the dungeons and dinners podcast uh, Walker and I talk about the first and second seasons of The Witcher, as well as Riot's animated series Arcane. This gives you a little bit of a glimpse into the interactions that you might come to expect over on the Pick Up Your Sticks podcast, and I thought it would be some content that the Dungeons & Dinners peeps might enjoy as well. If you'd like to support Dungeons & Dinners, you can do so over on patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. Now let's get on with the conversation. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. We'll be right with you. As always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Brett. Brett, what's got you picking up your remote this week? Ooh, ah, man, it is. It's ah, not even a remote, though. Really, it's still a mouse. It's still oh, a mouse and keyboard. Oh. Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, I guess I turned my TV on with a remote. So fair. I mean, yeah. I use a remote on the TV. It's like I don't. Roku. Okay. You see, I've, I just have kind of, like my old gaming laptop is just my media center PC. Now. Ah, <laughs> so. yes, yes, yes. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I thought I figured I'd bring the the Dungeons and Dinners crew in for a little uh, a little crossover time. You know, get them give them some some pick up your sticks love, give you some love, and uh, I figured that uh, both of these shows may be relevant to the the discussion there. So I thought I'd thought I'd join them together, do a little Voltron action. You know, <laughs> Voltron podcast, nice. <laughs> um, you know, so it's you- completely tangent. It it's it's terrible and it's dumb. I just watched the rest, uh, the latest season of Rick and Morty, and there's a Voltron episode, and like half the shtick is that the five the five robots make the Voltron, right? But if you get five Voltrons, wow. you can Voltron the Voltron. <laughs> it just goes. It's just the mirror in a mirror situation. It is, it's great. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, well, if you have infinite universes, then you can get infinite Voltrons together and... <laughs> Wow, that's funny. Yeah, I haven't watched Rick and Morty in a while. I didn't know there was a new season of it. Yeah, I mean, it's been. A, it, I think it was last year was the season. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I only recently caught up on it. But Fair that's enough. not what we're here to talk about. Oh, <laughs> right. Your fault this time. It really is. I mean, <laughs> you know, unless you're going to talk, start talking about WoW and how it relates to The Witcher or Arcane, which I I'll think you could it. do. I'll find. I'm sure, you could do. Yeah, I, I figured I'd derail us early, you know. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna break the discussion up and talk about. Uh, we'll just we'll talk about The Witcher first, and then jump into Arcane next. Uh, arbitrarily, I've selected that. Um, so just to be clear for anyone listening, it's gonna be heavy spoilers. Uh, obviously, we're not a <laughs> television review podcast or something here, so uh, I I don't know how clean 
it would be with without spoilers if we tried to do it. So either way, if you have not watched The Witcher or Arcane and are interested, you should probably hold up. Uh, we'll have in the description uh, of the show notes a timestamp. So if you wanted to listen to just the Arcane discussion, for example, you'll know where to skip ahead to to find that. Um, but yeah, so we'll start with The Witcher. Um, this is season two of The Witcher. Yeah. I... So... It's funny because The Witcher, I said the intro, The Witcher is, it's, they're gaming inspired shows, but really The Witcher is actually a series of books right? before it was a game. And I don't know really, I think the show is actually based on some of the books. Like, I don't think the show is brand new canon. It like splits the difference. Okay. I, I mean, I feel, so I haven't, so this is coming from a point of ignorance. I have not read The Witcher books. <laughs> But from what I've heard from those who have, mm -hmm. it's kind of a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like it, mm. it steals a lot more from the books than the games. The games take a lot from the books as well. So there are, of course, some similarities and some plot points that are the same. But it also deviates from both of those as mm. its own sort of thing in a few ways that either irritate hardcore fans or people who are getting this as their first experience can appreciate because it, it, it improves the flow of the story when told in a visual format. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, just a quick synopsis for anyone that's not familiar with the premise of the Witcher. It's the Witcher himself is basically a, a monster hunter uh, for lack of a better way to explain that. And kind of like a mercenary monster hunter. He doesn't really have allegiance to anyone. Um, and so I, I, I really do like the way the show blends. It's almost like a like a a law and order procedural where like every episode there's some monster that he ends up killing or fighting or whatever. But that's not exclusively what pulls the show through. Like there's also this larger narrative about the political landscape of the whole world. And it's not formulaic in the sense that a Power Rangers episode would be. Yeah, like, it's not it's not always monster kill monster and then a little bit of plot movement like some episodes are just plot movement. There's a lot of kind of Game of Thrones feel to a few of the episodes that are just like, yeah, here's the Witcher. He's doing some stuff. And then here's a bunch of political things happening in the world. And it's still interesting. But like there are some episodes that are devoid of just hero arrives. Newtown has monster to kill. Hero kills monster plot and then you know move on yeah it's definitely not delivered in that way but i i i it it does a good job of blending the very personal and individual story of Geralt the witcher and then telling the larger story of the world and they intertwine certainly Agreed. um i don't know is that a fair synopsis of a yeah, high I think level so. i mean it's a it's it? a very fantasy oriented show Mm -hmm. It's it's high fantasy. There's tons of magic. There's monsters. It's kind of medieval based. Uh, there's not really any high tech stuff going on. Mm -hmm. I like it. I, I think that it's good to see a mercenary really played out as a mercenary. It's Geralt is not an antihero. Right. Which I think is a is a really big point to make. He has antihero like qualities without being pigeonholed into that like is gruff and and uh, i don't know nihilistic without being edgelordy i guess 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, and there's and and like the 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 gruff nihilism kind of part of it really comes from like he's just been alive for a long time and has lost a lot of stuff that he cared about. So right. there's like a hard like an, a hardened edge to it, but yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not because he's angsty. It's because he's actually just seen a lot and experienced a lot of pain, and so then that leaves him shielded and guarded and not right. willing to be vulnerable to to most new people that he meets yeah his unwillingness to be vulnerable is not based out of spite right it it is actually a lot more human and i think i don't know not to like dive off into a quote-unquote political you know spectrum but like is not meant to be directly anti-toxic masculinity i think he's just more human yeah like like, it's not like it's taking a jab at, like, we're trying to you know, talk about this type of thing. It's like, it's it's much more like, if you had been through all of this that he had been through, you probably wouldn't try to make fast friends with people. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and some of it is, like, in order to protect people, he he will be distant or he will leave them or whatever. And maybe he could have tried to negotiate that with them, but ultimately they don't understand because they haven't seen what he's seen. And so it's easier to just be like, yeah, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to be gone in the morning. I could have this discussion 200 times a week, or I could just say nothing, kill the thing that I need to kill, make my money and bounce. Right. So the show to, to tie it to the game, which it's funny. So the Witcher one came out, I think in 2007, the video game I'm talking about and a buddy of mine, um, he used to be in a group. It, it will sound like LARPing when I describe it. Not that I have a problem with LARPing, but, but it's not that it was actually this group of guys that had found this like German sword fighting manual from like the 1600s. Oh, wow. And they would get together and practice the techniques in it that's super cool right and so but they were really trying to like recreate the technique so they weren't doing like battle scenes with each other that's why i say right, it's not really warping right. in that way um but it is definitely a group of middle-aged men swinging swords at like the park or something so so <laughs> it's still that, kind of larping kind of, yeah <laughs> they would deny it heavily but nah. right but let's call it let's call a duck a duck <laughs> <laughs> but they were real swords too not cardboard right swords. so right. you know anyway um but so when the first witcher came out my buddy was super excited because the animations that they used in the first Witcher game for all the sword combat were actually based on this same manual from whatever kind of That's sword fighting. So that cool. Is. Right. So they already had kind of a little bit of a, an intro into that to kind of latch on to. Right. So, so, so that's what put me onto it was, I was like, Oh, well that sounds really neat. Um, but in classic me fashion, I never beat the first Witcher. Uh, I bought the second one. Didn't get very far into that. The third one, however, which is widely praised as like one of the best Western RPGs ever. Um, I, I I played probably a good 50 hours and still was doing side quests, not on purpose, because the main quest is a series of side quests that will not allow you <laughs> to just pursue. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I believe that the the 
like Witcher Three is like a hundred and twenty hour game, like minimum. Like, yes, I think you are correct. It's not a. It's not a. If you ditch all the side quests, you get through the main story in twenty hours. Like, well, you so like what happens is you're trying to find Siri constantly, which is Cerulea, the the character in the show as well. Um, and yeah, you just constantly are like going to someone who can give you a clue, but before they'll tell you what they know, you have to do something for them. And it's just this endless cycle of like, and then that becomes this Russian like nesting doll of like, <laughs> like, well, like eventually the bard Yaskier or whatever his name is. And I don't, th I think his name in the show and the game is like it's something else. It's something it's not it's not butterfly, but it's something like that. That's like okay. very oh dandelion. That's what okay. it is. Okay. Um, so you're trying to find dandelion, but dandelion's in prison. So then you have to find out why he's in prison. And then the guy who has him in prison has a problem that he won't solve before he'll let dandelion. Right. You see my you just made a face that Ooh, no one will yeah. see. But yeah, nobody will see that. But <laughs> you get my point though, where it's just like but I don't care about any of these people. I just want to see Siri and, and see the wild hunt and all that stuff. I'm trying to save the universe, all right? Right. Like, just let me do that. Your piddly problem does not matter. Right. I don't care about your, yeah, your your lot in life as a duke of some country that I've never heard of and don't care about. Like, I just want to see the, the magic stuff. Um, anyway, so what the show does that the game didn't provide for me is a succinctness because while <laughs> each season is roughly 10 hours long that's a lot less than 120 um mm -hmm. and the show and the reason i went on this long rambling tangent now is because of what you were talking about about how Geralt is revealed in the show is this like very relatable human character well i think that's the way he's written in the books as well and that's the way that they write him in the game so whenever you have quests and stuff and you interact with characters, Geralt in the game is very much the way he is in the show where he's reserved and he's not he's not a serial killer or whatever. But then the actual gameplay is you run into a town and there's 10 bandits and it's time to fight the bandits. And so you just slaughter people all day long. And and so then it's really hard for me to reconcile like the human vulnerable character with basically a, a serial murderer. killer. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't make sense. And so when he, it, then when you get into dialogue and he is like reserved and doesn't want to go to violence as his first resort, it's like, but that's not true for the rest of the time I'm playing this. Yeah. There's the a show, disconnect between the gameplay and the narrative. Right. And the show is able to avoid that because you're not playing a video game. Yeah, because you don't have to pad with you know <laughs> battles, right? And when cool. you do, they're 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 they drive the story. It, well, yeah, and they they just make battles between the mages and stuff, mm -hmm. right? So then that like the big war and all the the bloodshed is not really Geralt participating, right? It's in the well, universe that he's in. But there's times when when he does fight thugs, he like bops them on the head, like right. He does, he doesn't have to take his super soldier serum to to fight bandits. He right. just knocks them unconscious. Maybe he's if they draw a weapon on him, he'll stab them. He doesn't really care. Yeah. But like he's not trying to just murder every everything in his path. But yeah, in a video game, you dodge roll, you stab. That's <laughs> right. that's how you play the game. <laughs> right, right. 
So yeah, well, and even like in the first season of The Witcher, there's the, the he has a fight with some girl in a town, and he like bests her, and like has his sword at her throat, but still is willing to let her live. Mm-hmm. And then she insists, and then he has to kill her. But it's like he really tries to not kill her. Like she right. kind of forces his hand. But yeah, that's not. <laughs> and that's not a quick time event that you're getting in the game. No, it's just like this is the boss character. They have a red health bar. When the red health bar hits zero, you can go on. Right. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so um, so I really I think I, I think the show. The show I enjoy a lot and and I, I actually enjoy the show so much that I've been I've had thoughts of trying to return to The Witcher 3 Ooh. because I, I do I do like the world that they've built. I like the story that they've built. Um, I think it's interesting to see because really I didn't get far enough or didn't pay attention enough. Either could be true <laughs> in the games to really understand like the like what the mages role is in the world. And, right. and that's all super interesting in the game, how they're like these political figures assigned to different kingdoms. It's like stuff. a weird oligarchy that is its own country, but also isn't at the same time because yeah. everybody is part of another country. Like it's kind of like a house of rep. It's like Washington, DC. It, <laughs> it is its own location, but it's not a state. Right. But it has representatives from all the locations and it still gets its own plot of land and has its right. own political stuff. But yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like I'm just completely jumping around at this point, but some of the ways that they imply magic is used. I mean, I, when I think of magic, I think of, <laughs> hey, I think of mmos no (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna i was gonna call fireball for the for the dungeons and dinners crew you know it's it's the the spell yeah but exactly though that is that is what i was gonna say is like when i think of magic i think of fireballs and lightning strikes and all that and that stuff's in there but like there's one point where one of the head mages is like going to interrogate a guy and she's going to like go into his head and like basically suck his ego, like Memories. his id out. Yeah. I don't really know. It's, it sounded, tra- it's traumatic. It's very traumatic sounding. But then he had some blocker in that prevents it from going through. But anyway, like it was just, it was cool to see magic in a like brain psychological context versus utilitarian sense yeah an elemental magic thing right it's not just a lightning bolt or a fireball it's spells that have utility which is i mean that's i appreciate seeing that because that's a huge D &D thing Mm. it's like how you want to kit your character out is like sure you could go full combat but if you go full combat and you end up in a political scenario or a social scenario then you, you don't want to launch a fireball in the king's court because the king has mages that are bigger than you. Right. But you might want to offer up a zone of truth where like, hey, it, if you don't believe me, I'll I'll put a circle on the ground that nobody can lie in and all of your mages will know if any of us are lying. Right. Um, and And that's that can make for really interesting, cool, intense moments that utilize magic in cool ways or modifying somebody's memory to make them think that you never, they never cursed you or that you had fulfilled the the deeds of your bargain or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and there are checks that can pass or fail on the roll of a dice that like, those are tense moments. If, if it works, 
you just got to get out of jail free card of, of, of immense value. And if it fails, they will know and they will kill you. Right. Like, and so I think that that seeing magic in that sense is awesome because you're right. Most magic in the television, at least modern, a lot of modern accessible media, even a lot of video games, there's not a lot of uh, magic that you're going to cast before you go into a speech conversation. Like maybe you give yourself a buff, but you're not making some snap decision in the middle of talking to somebody to cast a spell. Well, where I see it, um, it it's not called magic usually, but it, I mean, it, it's all, you know, it is the same principles basically, but in sci-fi gaming, you see like psionic powers and that kind of stuff. And then you see, Manipulate mental manipulation stuff, yeah, persuasion checks of like Jedi right. mind waves and stuff. Yeah, exactly. But it's not framed as magic, and it's not in this high fantasy setting. Again, it's mm -hmm. Star Wars, you know, force choking someone or something like that's basically magic, but it's just framed in that futuristic sci-fi context. So it's cool to see that in this high fantasy setting. I thought. So season two is kind mm -hmm. of where we're on. We've done a lot of high overview. But I'd like to dive into kind of the, the deeper specifics of the second season. I was excited that it got a second season, but I definitely came out of season one with mixed emotions. Mm. Um, I felt like it it bounced around a lot and was kind of hard to follow. There were a lot of characters that needed to introduce that I felt like they were important. But even in season two didn't necessarily feel like I understood their place or importance. Mm. And so I didn't know like what your thoughts were kind of coming into season two. Yeah. I mean, I like season one quite a bit. Um, season one is confusing because it's telling like Geralt's history alongside the current time. And then telling other characters' stories in the current time and some of their history, I guess. And then it, by the end, it catches them all up. So when season one ends, the timelines are all aligned finally. I had the fortune of uh, talking to you before I watched Witcher season one, and you had already watched it. And you told me that the timeline stuff was really confusing until the very end. So that kind of gave me a heads up to like, anticipate that right so it didn't it didn't it didn't bother me as much simply because i was already aware of it um but certainly so jennifer's I... story bounces everywhere it, while right. you're in the current timeline like you're telling Geralt's current story while you're telling jennifer's past even Geralt's story though i mean like there's there's like the episode when he when it's like revealed that he did the the law of surprise or whatever mm -hmm. which makes him like that's all way in the past, right? That's and true. then that kingdom gets overrun and like, but that's now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, and I don't, anyway. So I was, I was, I was, I liked season one quite a bit, but I think that probably the reason that I didn't have the same kind of mixed feeling about it is because, again, I had the advantage of you giving me a heads up that like, hey, this kind of is weird how they did it. So I wasn't as hindered by it because i again anticipated it um but i don't know yeah i mean in season two and, and i don't mean this is like a put you on the spot but do you have an example of a character that you that you felt the way you were just describing where like 
you thought they were important, but maybe they're not really. Because I, I might, I might have felt the same way, and I'm just not thinking of it. Yeah. Um. I guess. Who is? Oh no. Um. The head female wizard. I don't know her name, but yes. that's the one I was talking about that does the like psychological. Right. She does the psychological thing. thing. That's not Triss, is it? no. No. Um. Anyway. Right. She like. I almost kind of wanted to rewatch some of the Yennefer episodes in season one because she was Yennefer's guide, wasn't she? She's like the one that intros all the new mages. Right. That's what I thought. Kind of That's thing. what I thought. Yeah. Um. So like I, I felt like I was miss. I just because the storyline had bounced around a lot. I didn't understand her place as well mm. because it it she's in a lot of episodes, but those episodes are focused on Yennefer. They're right. not focused on her. And in season two, there's a lot of focus on her uh, from a political standpoint of where she stands in the court and how she interacts with the other head court individuals, the Senate, basically. Mm-hmm. And so you you get a lot of information on her. You see how she fights in the finale of season one. Like you see her train Yennefer. There's all of these pieces of information you get on her, but you don't actually get her established as a character to understand her place. Mm. At least I felt. Yeah, no, I would say that's fair. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think I was really that. um, I, I, so I I agree with you because I could not (laughs) succinctly describe you who exactly she is or what her motivations exactly are other than she seems to be kind of like the mother hen kind of character in the mage guild for new mages coming in, but then obviously has her own ambitions and motivations. Yeah. And And it's like, no, go ahead. Well, I was in like in season one, it almost seems like she's kind of like at odds with Yennefer and like, maybe she's going to be, yeah, like, is she evil? Or... Yes. Yeah. But then in season two, when it starts, she's, like, running around basically, like, using her magic to watch the, the death scenes of mm-hmm. all of these dead soldiers. And, like, protecting everyone. And Yeah, and tra- trying to find Yennefer. So she's definitely not a villain. Um, and, yeah, I don't really, I mean, the, the, the motivations of all the different mages is is interesting and I don't think fully revealed. Yeah, that's fair. I but I think that season two, I think you put it really well in use of just the term succinct. Mm. Season two is far more succinct, far more direct. And new characters that are introduced are, in my opinion, better developed, at least motivationally, even if they aren't from their character traits. So like the head witcher, uh, like Geralt's tutor. Mm hmm. He, you fully understand by the end of season two what his history is, and you like don't really see you don't. There's no flashbacks showing right. him as a kid, but you fully understand his motivations, his drive, what his character traits are, why he does what he does when he takes, you know, when he breaks away from the battle versus when he stays in the battle. You understand why that is. Right. Even though, in my opinion, you have less character development for him than you did the head, the head wizard. Right. Like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I really liked I really liked the amount, though, of 
the mages in season two. Like I liked seeing their different motivations. I liked seeing um, like the one that's that's assigned to Nilfgaard and like the struggles that she's having. Um, and and I don't remember this guy's name either, but it, it's the guy who was like Yennefer's lover briefly, who's a mage as well, who's like hanging out with Geralt looking at the monuments or whatever I, I again i don't remember his name we're so bad <laughs> at this i don't know the characters names <laughs> i mean i'm not helping you out here <laughs> any at all so um, um but yeah and like um i don't know i thought it was i thought it was really fascinating in season two again like despite having played the games and been interested in the game series since it launched again, didn't beat them. I had no idea about like the, the idea of like the world's merging and all that right. stuff that they talked about. And I thought it was really neat. Like the, the monuments shattering that series shatters and then monsters are like coming out of those, you know, giant uh, canyons or whatever that are created. Like I thought that was all super interesting because I never really understood why the monsters were there other than right. just like, I guess monsters exist in this world and it's fantasy. Exactly. So we accept it. Um, but yeah, it's actually like they have their own world and they kind of want to go back. Yeah, They there don't want to be stuck where they're at and they're <laughs> right. lost and just trying to survive. Like they just happen to need to eat people. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, totally. uh, I mean, I got, I was really psyched for a few things. Granted, they're not like solely D&D things, but things that I would say you don't see often in fantasies. You you know, like dragons are a dime a dozen. Um, you know, werewolves, vampires, fine. Got them. Monster people, like half animal, half humans of whatever form. Cool. That's That's fine, whatever. Things that you don't see a lot in in like televised formats uh, that you get to see in either video games or books more often Two come to mind really quickly. One is an, a really old reference. I think it's a Slavic culture reference is the Baba Yaga, the, the witch in the woods ah, and the house with chicken legs. Like they did the full thing. They did the whole Baba Yaga special. Oh, see, I didn't understand that was like a, um, not specific to the Witcher. Yeah, idea. that's a classic. That's an old school. I think it's I think it's Slovakian folklore uh, hmm. that has been adapted many times to high fantasy board games and, and tabletop games is the, the house with chicken legs that has some kind of bog witch uh, huh. associated to it. And so like seeing that the house like and you get it's granted spaced out throughout the entire season but the house shifting and turning and moving and then eventually standing up and, and leaving like that. When I saw that, I, I exclaimed, I was like, they did the full Baba Yaga. And my <laughs> wife looked at me and she's like, what are you saying? What are these words? And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. Just keep watching. <laughs> well, so I think the only other time I've heard that is actually, I think that's what the Russians call John wick in the John wick movies. Ah, I think yeah. they were, but then like the boogeyman is like how exactly, is like what it shows and that's what it, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, is yeah. like a a classic boogeyman thing. So um, I, I pulled up IMDb, so I'm not just a nightmare for the whole episode. <laughs> Istrid is the guy's name, okay. which I'll be honest, I never would have pulled out of my head. Nope. So, Same. <laughs> um, the other really good one, which you see a little bit more, but usually only in horror movies, was the 
what I can only call a literal human centipede. Mm. That that like chases Siri around. Yeah. Like that monster was body horror to the max and was scary, but not just because it was the thing. Right. right? It was scary on on because of how it moved and how it acted, how fast it was. Mm-hmm. Like and and it, it wasn't just to be gory or to be visually frightening. It actually wasn't terribly visually frightening just as a model. But when you add the motion and the movement and everything else to it, it it made that creature very suspenseful and very shocking to see in film. Right. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that's, I mean, to your point, the, the you know, Geralt fights a monster is definitely not procedural in the way that Law and Order or Power Rangers or something like that would be. But I, I think it's super cool. I love the different monsters that they introduce and they, they a lot of times will just kind of come out of nowhere in the episode. Like right. in that, in, in the episode where they're um, at, I think it's care Morin, the, the witcher stronghold. Mm-hmm. And the, like the one witcher comes back and he had fought a monster, but it had like embedded itself in him. Right. And it's like this tree. I can't think of the word. To it's use. a tree demon tree demon thing. Yeah. Like that was super cool. And it just kind of, is there all of a sudden like there's no right. build up to it there's it's not, not like... terrorizing the city first and there are some episodes like with the i think the intro to season two is yeah the like kind of vampire bat lady right and and that's very formulaic that relies heavily on that trope but even still you aren't really sure what she is or why right. until very near the end and sometimes you even like i feel kind of bad for her you know in the same way that siri did yeah, it was it was definitely interesting um, how they there was like this symbiotic quasi lover relationship between her and the cursed pig man. Right. Um, but to Geralt's point, like, yeah, but she's not just feeding on you and being sated by that. Like, right. she's yeah, she's still she still killed this entire town. <laughs> right. Yeah. So maybe don't feel too bad for her. <laughs> right. But. But I don't know, like that goes back to and again, it's not it's not expressed in the show in the way that it is in the game. But that's why in the game it can be a struggle, I think, for me to to reconcile it's because it's like. To be clear, I don't as far as I know, that exact plot line doesn't play out in the game, right? But it very well could. And it would be that where it's like, well, yeah, you know, maybe she has kind of human elements in some ways, but she's responsible for killing like 50 people in this village or a hundred, whatever it is. And so that's right. not acceptable. And it's like, yeah, but Geralt has killed. <laughs> right. Hundreds I of people. I can go in into the, the settings he... menu and look at kills. And... Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. There's, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point. And it's, I mean, this is a really far away tangent now from the shows or the games or any of that, but like, it speaks to the the notion, I think, that within humans, there is the capacity to be great and there is the capacity to be horrific. And I think that especially in our, uh, at least in the United States, <laughs> in the, the, the privileged culture that we have and society that we have, it's easy if you live a pretty comfortable, easy life to think like, well, I would never participate in some of this stuff but if you go look at like 
you know, look at what happened in in not just Germany, but in front as a result of Nazism in, in World War II. The people that made up those armies were not born evil, horrible monsters. Like they were ordinary people who got swept up into that. Now I'm not right. in any way justifying or no, there's no sympathy that. here. For there's that, no sympathy but... for, for the Holocaust. I'm, none of that is my point. My point though, is that like, I, I think that that episode specifically in that character, even though it's a monster or whatever, I think it speaks to like a person can have the capacity within a single individual to be loving and compassionate and meaningful to someone and at the same time, a horrible monster right. to others. Um, and it's easy to just pigeonhole a person into like, oh, well, you're either awesome or you're evil and that's it. And it's like, there's actually just a, a capacity for both in all of us. She's my girlfriend. I love her. Yeah, but she eats people. Right. <laughs> like right. to everyone else, she's not their girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I've, I've, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna go too deep because I don't know all the details anymore. But like, I read a story. This was, it was from like the '70s, where there was like a, a man who was assaulted based on, I think, his religion or something in this train station in like Israel again, a long, long time ago. And I'm not justifying the assault of the man. However, the article that I read about it, the point that they made was like the people that assaulted him were like family men that otherwise like had jobs and had families that loved them and were participants in their communities you know what i mean like they're not right they're, they're not, not evil horrible people yeah they don't, they're not a everyone. part of the bandit gang or something right. That, right. <laughs> it's not mad max you know what i mean like um so anyways yeah i, I actually i really liked that episode a lot and was uh, impressed by yeah by the, i the really liked the overall character I, I loved getting more history of Geralt almost firsthand like they kind of give Geralt's history through series training, mm -hmm. right? Like they don't really talk about Geralt's history. There's not a lot. It's not flashing back to him as a kid, but they're like, yeah, this is all the same stuff that he went through. This is, right. you know, they reference like it's hard on you because it was hard on him. Right. Uh, or even to Geralt, like it's hard on you to see her go through this because it was hard on you. Right. Like, like, and now you're recognizing it as an adult that this was a traumatic experience for you and you didn't know it at the time. Right. I think that addressing trauma in those types of ways was really creative to be able to talk. It's not really talking around it, but without being so in your face about it, like just being very, I don't know, rational and almost mundane about it, which I think does a great job of normalizing that this does happen to people and you don't recognize it when you're going through it because that's just what the world is to you. Right. Like Siri is dealing with constant visions of the future and, and they're brain breaking for her, but she's also able to deal with them because that's her nightly routine. Right. Like that's right. how she sleeps. So it's not, it's only a trauma the first couple times and, and the big one which kind of is the first one, right? The Black Knight. Mm -hmm. That's her big scary trap. But everything else, she's like, yeah, I guess I can follow these threads. I guess I can seek out what these futures may hold because uh, what else am I going to do? You right. Know? And and like to anybody else, if you just woke up and started having that happen to you, it would be like, oh my God. You know? You're right. Yeah. Again, I'm jumping way all over the place, but I found it uh, very interesting that like, so 
and I, I'm also kind of checking that my conclusion is cor- the same conclusion that you drew, but Siri is basically the like elvish super weapon that is born generationally in order more to or less. Yeah. And she's from... also like the, the archon of them. Cause she's like the final one. Right. Yeah. But it's like every like hundred years or something, this, this will right. be reproduced through their bloodline or whatever. So yeah, I'm really interested to see where all that goes because again, I, I didn't get Yaskier out of the prison in the game. So I don't, I, <laughs> I didn't know what Siri was. She's just like a witcher trainee or something as far as i knew you know um but yeah i thought that was all super fascinating as well really really like the um yeah the the larger overarching like magic world ending type stuff and the the blending of the worlds and all that like i i'm very interested to see where that goes uh in the next i assume there'll be a season three yeah i mean i'm i'm on board for it for sure yeah i'm also i will say so it's it's unfair because I hadn't actually really watched him otherwise. Uh, Henry Cavill, though, who plays Geralt, my impression of him was like, oh, he was in the Superman movies that I didn't watch, so I can't say like he's terrible in them because I didn't see them. But I was just like, oh, he's like Hollywood pretty boy guy because he's Superman, you know? So I don't know. Um, I like him a lot as Geralt. Like, I think he's excellent. Well, like he's he, a giant Witcher fan. He's a huge everything. He plays yeah. Warhammer. He right. plays Warcraft. Like he does all of it. He's a giant. He's a big geek. He's right. A big muscular geek, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love right. It. Yeah, but yeah, he's excellent. In fact, I'm I'm tempted to go watch the DC movies now that he's in, just to see if I like him because I like him so well as Geralt. Right. Right. Haven't been able to stomach it still because not a big fan of MCU or DC style right. movies. But, um, but yeah, I think Henry Cavill is, is excellent. Yeah. So all in all, I would say I really uh, enjoy, uh, both season one and two of the Witcher really excited for the next season of it. Uh, obviously there's a lot of stuff we didn't even kind of like the villain who is, has like gone into evil magic or whatever and can right. fire the, the fire guy. Yeah. The, we, the, the bald mage that is right. kind of double crossing people in the background. Right. So like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Who has like the owl or whatever. That's like, and who he's through, who is the, did it, was it, I don't think it was revealed who the backer was for fire guy and the girl that recruited him who like ends up with half her face burned. Like she has a backer. Right. Right. And like, yeah. he, like they meet with that backer, but that's not revealed who they are. I don't believe. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right, actually. And then, of course, the the ultimate reveal at the end of of it, the very like, I think it might be the last scene where the leader of Nilfgaard is actually series. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't know. I think I think it's I think it's really well set up. Um, Well, and I think it moves at a good pace. Yeah. Like it, it, it. Season two definitely stays on target and moves at a, at a healthy pace all the way through it. Well, I think season two is also, yeah, I think it's just a lot more focused to, to, to your point versus season one. Like I liked season one a lot and like mm-hmm. they go on that, whatever adventure where there's like the guy that they're traveling with, who's actually the dragon himself or whatever. And like, right. I thought all that was really cool, but it's not really tied to any larger narrative. It's just kind of like adventures of Geralt. Um, and season there's a two, lot of character establishment. 
Yes. It's like it's like everybody's prequel movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All Agreed. in one season. And season two is like everybody's sequel movie. It's just right. good. Yeah, if you've got 20 hours, go check out The Witcher show. If you've got 130 <laughs> hours, maybe play The Witcher 3, you know? Yeah. It's whatever whatever your timeline is, you know. God knows how long it takes to read all the books. So Right, right. <laughs> that's on you. That's on you. <laughs> all right, well, so I guess at this point you want to shift over to Arcane and talk a little bit about about that. Yeah. So Arcane is which I, I still, you know, we did our Blizzard's Fall from Grace episode uh, and talked a little bit in that about how Riot is kind of, it seems like replacing Blizzard is like the large company with a lot of IP that's still not like a corporate monster. In, and in also every... does really good 3D animation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe that's actually the biggest similarity. But, um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I though... I have played League of Legends technically. I've probably played... I, if I've played 50 matches, that's generous. Um, so I don't know anything about League of Legends lore. I don't, I'm not familiar with the characters. Um, so to me, it's all very new. And so Arcane is, is an, another Netflix animated series. In this case, though, that's based off of the League of Legends universe... I don't know if the story being told in that is in any way referencing the game other than the characters in it are some of them are I, I from agree. the game. Maybe if I don't know which happened first, uh, I would say if it hasn't that character bios in League of Legends may have been updated. <laughs> right. Certain characters. I would see that happening probably before but again i've actually put in a fair amount of time into league of legends not like recently of course but sure um in in the past i was into a lot of uh the the that style of game um but i i think that i, I by the characters that i mained were not any of the characters that like i had ideas i was like i think this character i think this person is a character but they're not that character yet so i totally I, I i without talking to you about it or confirming or anything so i had no idea which characters in the show were actually characters in the game so i actually looked up the 150 or whatever it is right. roster of characters on league of legends website when i got done to match up and see which ones were and of course jinx is a character right which made sense with like her minigun and stuff like that yeah. that would be a game thing and i will admit when i saw that i was like i feel like that's a brett character like no i didn't play not Jinx. knowing her from yeah. the show at all but just like that i could probably aesthetic. a dps yeah and she's got a fun aesthetic i think i shied away from anything because that was also right around the time of like the big rise of harley quinn new harley quinn oh right. and i always like kind of a love-hate relationship there like i hate how popular she is but i still like her as a character um so I'm yeah. going to I'm going to super tangent. But hey, for those of you who've only listened to Dungeons and Dinners, welcome to me being on a podcast. <laughs> um, but anyway, the uh, I watched a, it's on YouTube for free and I cannot recommend it enough. It's a, a 90 minute documentary on Batman, the animated series. Ooh. And I had no idea the level of talent it, it, it's it's crazy how many things kind of came together to make that what it was like 
Warner Brothers had just really taken off because Steven Spielberg was huge. Mm -hmm. And he insisted that the Warner Brothers Animation Studio be rebooted and like insisted they hire a full orchestra and symphony to perform all the music. And, you know, get Mark Hamill to play the Joker. And yeah, except actually it was Tim Curry was who was originally the Joker. But there was some producer that didn't like him. So they (laughs) kicked him out and then replaced him with Hamill. But any, yeah, the amount of talent and, and everything that kind of coalesced around that was crazy. Um, the reason I bring it up, though, is that I didn't realize until I watched that that Harley Quinn was actually a creation of that of Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. She doesn't yeah. have roots in the comics prior to that. Right. I had no idea. Anyway, complete tangent. No, just thought um, that was, I had my, no idea. So I mained uh, Oriana in League of Legends. Is the, she in the show? not yet okay uh she is a clockwork oh okay creation. yep that so makes that maybe makes more sense maybe next you would season? like that more yeah, yeah yeah she and she throws a and of course she is an overly complicated character that requires way more micro than <laughs> i would ever be good at so of course i am attracted to whatever is the most micro intensive and also doesn't work like any other hero, especially when she was introduced. <laughs> like you have to, you manage her ball separately from her. And oh so, yeah. That's like, yeah. You're going to be good at that. <laughs> so that's exactly what I wanted to play. Um, <laughs> just the disruptor in Starcraft two. for. Pro it really Dawn. was. It, it, oh. it, it, she is. She just is a disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, I, I, yeah, I, I was really, really, really impressed with Arcane. Um, yeah. Again, really no expectations because I don't have a, an impression of the League of Legends world going into it. So I right. didn't know what, I didn't have any expectations to be ruined per se. Fair. Um, but I've watched plenty of anime and animations where I don't know what I'm getting into and don't like it as well as I liked Arcane. Right. Um, I thought the story was really cool. I thought that the... I thought the characters were cool, and honestly, I thought that even, like, even the guy who is, I guess, the primary villain, Jinx's right the, handler. Yeah, I honestly found myself kind of empathizing with him a bit, where mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, yeah, you're evil now and whatever, but like, the dude who is hurt Jinx's like dad or whatever, not dad, but adopted dad or whatever, right. at the beginning of the series, uh. I mean, it seemed like he kind of was super brutal and horrible to <laughs> the little guy who is missing the eye and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, becomes Jinx's handler or whatever. So, I mean, kind of to the point of the Witcher that we were talking about with the the vampire lady chick where it's like, yeah, he's not great, but I don't know that he's just in I don't know that he's eye of Sauron. He's just right. It's it's like, that nature versus nurture argument. Yeah, where, like I can understand where he is because he's a product of his environment. Right. Well, and, and so like it, whenever Jinx kind of um, when Jinx shows up and throws the bomb in the room and then V gets super mad at her and then tells her to go away. Right. And then she kind of falls in with the the, the bad guys in air quotes. I thought they were going to like hurt jinx when they because they're all standing around and i was like ah god this is brutal Mm -hmm. and then it went the other way where she like hugs him because she wants someone to care about her right she just wants someone to love her yeah and he sees himself in her and instead of being mean to her like goes the opposite direction well and be a better father 
than right. his brother right. was to her. Right. Like, but how much is that true? Because he's also exploiting her power exactly, for his exactly. own end. <laughs> so I don't know. But he also, I think in his heart of hearts, believes that he's trying to liberate them. Yeah. Because the under city or whatever it's called is is the slums like it's yep. horrible there right so well i mean it just in general i know we're already in spoiler territory but like we gave it, a warning yeah we gave a warning way earlier <laughs> um the i'm so impressed with riot for taking the adult route yeah they could have pg-13 this easily yeah and none of the scenes really that were R-rated, I guess you could say, were necessary to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And and you could have done it with screen wipes and implications. Mm-hmm. But instead, in fact, there's several places where it, it gets brutally graphic. Yeah. And I would not quite invincible level of brutally mm, graphic. Nothing approaches invincible. No. But but even being in that zone. Of like, yeah, we're going to show some blood. We're going to show people's skulls getting crushed. We're going to show yeah. some some messed up things. We're going to make you think that this might be a rape. Well, uh, they like, did what Blizzard would never. Blizzard, exactly. none of Blizzard's that's, animations that's would saying. ever do they that. They would never yeah. touch that. They, yeah. would ne- they would screen wipe. They might imply. Or they would choose a different route entirely. Yeah. And they didn't do that. They, sh- they showed a very raw, very real, very gruesome world as because because let's be honest the bulk of their fan base is 25 to 35 yeah like like sure there's probably some 14 year olds getting into league of legends i'm sure there's plenty but the bulk of their fan base are people that have been around for a while and that's what they want to see right yeah no i thought i thought they did an excellent job of uh to your point not not pulling punches Um, Mm -hmm. but also, so not only do they make, at least in my view, the, the, the bad guys somewhat sympathetic, but I thought that they also did a really good job of not making the heroes infallible, right? Mm -hmm. Like when towards the end, when Jace goes down to the undercity, I I know I'm not calling it the right thing. No, it's, I think it is just called the undercity. I mean, it it has a nation name that they vote for, but. But either way, whatever, and like, and that kid gets killed. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, that's real. Like, yeah. Well, and he has a moment where he's like, "No, I'm not going to fight anymore," and then immediately has to be put in a position where he has to fight again. Right. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't get to just say, "I don't want to fight anymore," because now you're a rich guy. Right. You came here. You've got to finish this. Like. Right. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I really appreciated that kind of, um, dichotomy, I think throughout the show where there's not a clear, that's, that's always, I think a thing that I'm attracted to is when there's ambiguity in who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. And are you sure that those are the right, um, because to some extent, you know, when you're talking about war, like there's just violence and pain and suffering. Well, and, and they say that they say that a lot of times, like, yeah, it's just like, there's a lot of on both sides. The The argument is made from both sides that like, this is a war people are going to die. And also some of this is unnecessary violence, but also how do we avoid it? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, super interesting. Um, I also thought it was, I also think it's super cool. And again, this might be baked into the game. So for fans of the game, I'd be like, you know, <laughs> second nature that this exists there. But I thought it was really interesting to see like the the upper city and Jace and he's like developing this technology that, you know, the light that goes through the hammer or whatever. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I mean, whatever. he events teleportation. Yeah. Like... And then that like juxtaposed with the Undercity's own technological advancement, which is mm -hmm. this like biochemical. So it's almost like a cybernetic versus biochemical yeah. thing. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, well, it's kind of it, it's the closest thing that I've seen to voodoo punk mm. making making actual mainstream pokes is that Undercity Mardi Gras feel meeting with science and magic. And maybe leaning more towards magic because it's the Undercity and it's not as well understood, even if it is science. Right. Versus the, you know, the main city of progress, where it is very much so just technological, where we are trying to replace magic with technology. Like, Yeah, well, and like in, I guess also, I think the other thing I appreciate about it is that it's, you know, unlike The Witcher, which we were able to say is definitely a medieval high fantasy yes. setting. In, in Arcane it's not it's it's all of it like it it's there is a fantasy element to it but then there's also this like steampunky sci-fi mm -hmm. element to it and i guess what i'm trying to refer to is like there's the there's the like you know uh obviously it's all fictitious but the future in which like okay so as you know humanity continues to evolve in real life and technology continues to evolve we're going to get to a point where maybe we can integrate ourselves with machines, right? Mm -hmm. And there's going to be people that are pro and against that. But then simultaneous to that, there's also going to be this biochemical revolution where right. gene diversity and gene selection, all yep. that's going to happen. Do you want to gene edit yourself into a cat person or integrate yourself into a cyborg? Right. And the those will have to coexist. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought that it was cool that like the, it, it's like the undercity is kind of that like, biological evolution path versus a tool-based technology path in the upper and but it's also not just a futuristic sci-fi show you know what i mean so well, to see those not, ideas like it's not permanently delineated because then you also have a blend of the two in the i can't remember the 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 little boys essentially gang that he starts with the rocket racers. Right. Like, like they're kind of a blend of the two. Yeah. Like, so yep. they are what happens when they are able to steal enough technology, but make a more natural path. So right. there's kind of this third evolution. They're basically like the, the high tech druids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's like, it's like, there's not just the two delineations. There's more even than that. Because right. the Undercity is vast and there's enough room for all of it to kind of like these multiple and, and they reference the outside world with, um, oh, God, her mom who comes yeah, from yeah. the country like there's they reference there's a whole planet going on right now. Right. And right. Like, it's totally and this separate just, from this. Yeah. And this is just a small part of what's going on in the world, which I also am like. That's so cool because you could do I would be entirely happy with an entire another season that happens in the exact same time frame 
as arcane in some other part of the world. You could tell the same or greater story. Yeah, well, and there's so many characters in League of Legends that right. they certainly have the the IP to pull from. And I was honestly surprised too. So when I went and looked at the character roster to see like, okay, who was in the show? Right. I fully expected that like 20 of the characters mm-hmm. in the show would be playable characters in the game. And that wasn't the case. Uh, I also, yeah, they go so far back into the history there. This is a prequel to the games. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, Victor is a, is a crazy cool. I love Victor's character story and season one. He's not even Victor by the end of season one. Yeah. And it's like, that's cool to see that he doesn't even become the character that he is in the games by the end of the entire first season. And he's pivotable from like episode three. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like Jace, Heimerdinger, V, Jinx, I guess Victor. Yeah, there's a couple of others that are referenced in the background as Mm. kind of Easter eggs. And, uh, you know, I'm now diminishing this character far more than I should by the label Jace's girlfriend, because that's not all she is. (laughs) But you know who I'm talking about without me having to look up IMDb. I thought she was probably a character because Mm -hmm. to my point, she's not just Jace's girlfriend. She has a lot more influence and stuff in the world. And so I was like, oh, maybe she's a character. But no, I couldn't find her anywhere, at least as one. No. Uh, I mean, Caitlyn makes Caitlyn's a pretty pivotal, pivotal, blah, 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 pivotal character, which mm-hmm. I think is fun. I think it's fun to see uh, again more humanized. Because again, like you get an idea of a character. Like I played Caitlyn a little bit in in League of Legends. Like you get an idea of a character from their their voice pack and their gameplay style. But that's really not the character that Caitlyn. I mean, it is, but only in the moment, right? And same way with Jinx. Jinx in combat is the character from League of Legends. So she goes crazy. She shoots like her moves are used. Like she's got the minigun and the rocket launcher and the pistol. And she's a little insane. But outside of combat, she's not the character that she is in the game. She's has depth. I actually did not realize that Caitlyn was a I that so that's when I missed. I when I yep. looked at it, I didn't realize she yeah, was a Caitlyn is is a massive sniper like frontline character. So hmm. But yeah, um and I gotta say the animation style I just absolutely love. Oh, a hundred and twenty percent. It's so good. It's so cool. Like I you know, you you referenced Invincible earlier and, and I liked Invincible plenty and I mean it <laughs> It has its own reasons for why I would like it, but, but I mean, it's animation style is okay, but yep. it wasn't something that I was like, man, I just love the way that the art in that is done. And Arcane completely blew me away. Uh, right. It's like a, I assume there's some level of computer animation, but then there's also elements that feel more hand-drawn. I have no idea. No, what I are, was, but... yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is a topic that I was hugely like aware of and in tune with. So like, I, I mean, I, I probably should have referenced this way earlier. I almost d- dropped arcane twice. Really? Um, yeah. So I got through, so I, I don't know if something happened, if we tried to start watching it or queued it up to watch and it accidentally autoplayed and then we backed out of it or something, but it started on episode two. Oh, <laughs> and so like 10 minutes in, I feel like I don't feel like this is right. Or I paused it to get a bathroom break. I'm like, wait a minute. This is episode two. And, <laughs> but it starts at a spot where like I didn't realize right. that. 
Right. Uh, so I had to go back and rewatch the first episode and, and then fully watch the second. And I was still not really on board. By the time the I got into episode three, I power watched the rest in a single day. Oh, wow. Um, but one of the biggest things. So there's there's two takeaways in animation that I was really into. Oops, sorry. One was. They took a few lessons from Into the Spider-Verse. Have you seen Into the Spider-Verse? You're not a big Marvel person. I'm not, but that is the uh, very first time I've ever consumed, so watched, played, read, whatever, consumed Spider-Man content and was like, oh, I now understand why people like (laughs) Spider-Man. Good, good. Because every other time it's like, yeah, this is kind of corny, but Into the Spider-Verse is incredible. So, and yeah, the, the art in that is mind-blowing well and I, I think that this takes a few less arcane takes a few lessons from that occasionally where they come there are episodes where the animation style completely flips on its head mm. and is completely different and is done in a different way or scenes that are done in a different way you know maybe it's a flashback maybe it's not there are scenes that are done in the current timeline that are in a different animation style right and i think that's a really brave thing to do it's also very difficult to do because it requires an entirely different style of animation. So different animators, different concept artists, different everything. And, and also I think that the thing that I, I caught the most was that every scene of flame or smoke, not fog and not like smoke bomb, but just like fire and smoke are done in a more traditional 2d animation style it's still probably 3D rendered, but right. the style is of 2D animation, which I think was a like I caught on to it because I'm really particular about these things. But I think it was the right call because particle effect fire and smoke just doesn't hold up very well. And like in another year or two, we'll probably look dated. Mm. But 2D fire and smoke has held up for, you know, I mean, you know, like almost a century now. So like it's, it's known how to be done. It's known what it's supposed to look like that way, but having a 2d flame on like a match or a lighter or something, casting ray casted shadows in a 3d world was like, okay, this is different. Yeah. Like, it, it it's it's two levels of animation playing together where a two-dimensional fl- like flame is casting like ray casting it's full nvidia met to the max ray casting being handled by a two-dimensional animation and i was really blown away by that yeah yeah i mean i definitely can't say that i uh understood that level of nuance or detail with it but um just thought it looked great constantly and probably the moments that stood out to me the most where I was just like, wow, this is, this just doesn't feel like anything else I've seen. Honestly, was a lot of when Jinx would have like a breakdown and there would be like different, you know, I don't know, runes for lack of a better way to explain it, like Im- you know, little images flashing around. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know, like the way that that looked didn't feel like anything else I've ever really seen before in an animation she heard like childhood sketches yeah of of the and the fact that like it wasn't just random psychosis right it was the kids that she was with 
Right. Like it gave them all. It gave her psychosis personality. It gave it meaning where it's like she's not yelling at random voices. She's yelling at her own memories of the personas of the people that she ran with that she let down. Well, and, think, and was partially responsible for killing most of them. Like, yeah, unintentionally, though. Right. right? Like tra- right. trying to save them. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, uh, you and I both have talked a lot about, well, certainly on the walk show I have. And I believe I know you have in Dungeons and Dinners in in certain ways, certainly. Um, but, you know, in, in our common culture now, mental health is a very common topic. And uh, I th- I think it's really cool that they they create Jinx who on the surface as you kind of said like is like a crazy character like she's psych- has psychosis right. right whatever but it doesn't just unlike Harley Quinn where she's just like I don't know she's crazy and evil and we don't really know why right we can assume that she probably hasn't had a great life but we don't really know why she just is this way. Whereas with Jinx, it like it very much makes the viewer incredibly sympathetic to her, right? To where you would not be like, I don't know, she's just crazy. You'd be like, uh, dude, she was like an orphan girl who didn't like fit in, and then she tried to save the only people she knew mm-hmm. and her accidentally killed, a lot killed of them. All, yeah, right. And then was and then her abandoned. sister abandoned her, and like, <laughs> well, and so I was I was uncertain if Powder became Jinx for a little bit. Because she has a different name. She's Powder. Right. Well, and again, I had no frame of reference. So to me, it was all like, oh, wow, okay. Jinx is a person. I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and like, so I knew Jinx as a character. Right. But I was like, Powder might be Jinx, but I don't know. Right. Like, it it could be a red herring kind of thing. And then as things played out, it's like, oh, no. They 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 allude to it early because like she's called a jinx more than once. Yes. Like and so it was like I was like oh I was heartbroken in like episode two. I was like oh no this sweet girl who has no psychological problems is gonna get broken. Yeah. Well, I, I so you know I don't know now. I don't remember where I. Oh yeah. It's a whatever. I I I came across a, a a conversation or a speech or whatever. This person talking about mental health, and they were talking about how, you know, the question that we should ask people right now, the question that is asked, and this is obviously very generic, but if someone is behaving in a way that is unsettling for other people, the question that gets asked is, "What's wrong with you?" Right, mm-hmm. and really, the question should be, "What happened to you?" Because almost all, I mean, I I don't even know if almost should be in there. It might just be all. Like, all uh, behavior is driven by people trying to just just make it. You know what I mean? And so when people act out in negative ways, it's basically never because they're inherently an evil and horrible person. It's because something happened and it might not be a singular event, but something has happened where they're no, they don't know how to process these events when they come up again. And so they go to this reaction that is this behavior that's unsettling or, or maybe violent or whatever. And I don't, to be clear, I'm not trying to justify people 
abusing. No, this is not. We're not condoning these actions, mm, but no. I think that understanding them is important. Yeah, but it 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 it's and so it's like when you see Jinx, like if you were if you were just to watch episode eight of Arcane and had no context otherwise, you would think she's just like this nut job who's violent and wants to hurt mm -hmm. people. But when you've seen the whole thing, you just feel sorry for her the whole time because you right. know what happened to her, and it's. And that speaks to people way more broadly than just the character Jinx, where it's like when someone is is yeah is is really really struggling, something really serious happened to them that they well, don't think, know what to do with. I think that that mentality plays out in almost every character. Yeah, is how is the character trying to prove themselves? Yeah, like V is on a redemption arc but is failing at doing so. She is unable to redeem herself because Jinx is too far gone. Right. Um, Jace is trying to prove his worth because he was, he was an immigrant that, you know, never would have made it otherwise and, right. and got one lucky break, but that one lucky break wasn't enough because he was afraid that if he didn't continue to produce that he would fall into obscurity. Right. And so he is pushed to continue to produce in a, in a manner that he's not even comfortable with. He doesn't like what he's doing, but feels like he has to. Victor is also in that same boat where he is overshadowed by the man he created. Like Victor created Jace. Right. And yet gets none of the, 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 the limelight for it. But also Victor kind of created the Undercity. Like Victor created the I don't the sparkle or what the what the drug is called. Right. Um, yeah, I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah, either, like but he, yes. he is the reason that that exists because he as a child was duped by the right hand man of the big bad guy. You know, like there's every character. I mean, the Jace's girlfriend, as you put it, was is <laughs> is on a redemption arc herself of trying to like prove her worth to her mother. Right. By becoming a political powerhouse. And she is the reason that Jace comes to power because she makes all of that happen. She yeah. makes all of the moves. None of those were Jace's decisions. She set ev she set up all the pins for Jace to just push over. And like and she's doing all of that because she failed her country. And so she's trying to not fail her new city. And it's like every single character is trying to prove themselves and and like be better than their past self or past life and like it just keeps playing out over and over and over heimerdinger like is is trying to hold on to the old ways because that's what brought him to power right like and and just everybody and it's just it's just the clash of everybody's attempt to be better than they were yesterday right and i think that's such a, a beautiful way of causing character conflict because the conflict will happen naturally if everybody's trying to improve themselves. Yeah. Well, and and I, I mean, I've probably just made this point too many times now throughout this episode, but I just, I, I, again, you know, I just can't enough. I can't, I can't overstate how important I think it is to show the complexity of the, of the characters and to show the, the nuance of their motivations and to understand that it's not, it, they don't just wake up and decide this is my mission today in a vacuum. 
And I think that that speaks to the world at large. And I think that especially in the, you know, our modern era, and this is so cliche to say, but in the social media realm and things, it's so easy to see a tweet from a person or to see a single post from a person and then put them in a bucket of they're an ally, they're an enemy, they are this way, they are that way. And cancel them, support them. Yeah. Either way you want to go with it. And, and the truth is, is that people are just infinitely more complex than that. And life is infinitely more nuanced than that. And I think that as corny as this will sound, because I'm pretty sure that riot made arcane to, to make money, (laughs) not not to change the world. But I really do think to the, to the writer's credit, um, I think that things like this, help promote that conversation even if it's in a subconscious or unconscious way to say like again people are not just in one bucket or another they're they're far more complicated than than they seem on the surface and the behavior that you see does not really reflect in in many cases even the motivation for that behavior um and it 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 can be easy to to lose sight of that i think in in life and to, to some extent, again, we can't know every individual <laughs> and all of their motivations, but just to at least approach people with an understanding that they're not they're not just this one slice of what you see. There's more there. Um, and yeah, I think Arcane does a great job of that, to your point, with all of the characters, not just not just Jinx. Um, she's a great example of it, though. Well, for sure. I mean, like she probably gets some of the most I, th- I think that it's interesting how much focus there I'm trying to think for a second I I don't believe there's a protagonist or a main character yeah I would agree with you I mean you you kind of think at the beginning that it's V right but then she kind of gets replaced with Jace yep and who is then replaced with Jinx. Right. And who then, is like, then re- like, like Jinx is replaced. Like Victor has his moments where Victor becomes a main character. Like Victor gets more screen time in episodes like six and seven than Jace does. Yeah. So I have to admit also Victor totally missed that. That's one of the characters. Yep. Also, I, I was so. excited about that. I was like, I saw that when the, when they first had the kind of Rubik's cubey moment, I was like, mm. Oh, this is, this is the start of Victor. Yeah. And and then I was like, I was actually a little bit mad because I was like, I was playing. I was like, did the gauntlets play a thing? Does the laser play a thing? Because they show the laser off. Like, where are these pieces going to fall? And they don't fall by the end. Right. I was really frustrated by that. I was like, he's like halfway there. He's only halfway to becoming Victor. Right. By the end of season one. I'm like, this is insane. I need more now. Like. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I like that I don't have any knowledge of the world so that it is just literally like to me, it's just entirely fresh IP. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll because I think if I knew who all the characters were going in, then I would like, well, that character's not going to die because they're not. Gonna right. Die. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, I have none I of that. That's glorious that they do that, though. Like they they eloquently crafted. It, because they could have so easily, like, I, I believe fully that if Blizzard would have done this, it would have been, you know, Uther and all of the other characters just going through a fun adventure right. with plot armor on all of them. And, 
you just know what's kind of going to happen. And there's a few Easter eggs and references to the games. Right. And some stuff, you know, some sound clips that people recognize. And for the first like two, almost three full episodes before you even start realizing who the characters are. And it's like, that's huge because they could have easily come out of the gate with characters fully developed like Ash and and Victor, you know, just going out and beating up and 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 playing the game as a TV show. Right. And and fighting creeps and and you know, <laughs> like but it, it would have worked it still would have worked if last hitting is a is a is a plot device <laughs> right and it very well could have been it could there would have been a joke about that right, right. like like i got the last hit like and then boop them, uh, you know, like. i'm so glad that it's not bad but they didn't do that and i think no. that that's actually kind of huge yeah i mean they definitely um again not not being familiar with the games at all i was able to enjoy it entirely whereas if you juxtapose that with like the warcraft movie that came out several years Mm ago i i have even played a lot of wow and i find that insufferable but i think it is only possible to enjoy that if you already understand that world and then it's like right maybe the fan service is enough that you enjoy it kind of like in the same way that it like the game serves as i mean we talked about the witcher season one wow is your season one and then the movie is your season two like you have to know the background of all of these characters like my dad enjoyed which yeah shout out to pick up your sticks episode where i interview my dad and his history of gaming um my dad loved recommended arcane to me as well. And mm. he has never touched a league of legends. Like right. not in, in, and he was like, I love this show. You should watch it. Yeah. And that was before you recommended it to me. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, like my dad was like, you need to watch this show. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe like, I mean, I know a little league of legends. I don't know how much I'm in for their, I, I like their, their, their KDA pop stars is great. I don't know how much I'm in for a full 10 hours of nope, nope. In a Sunday, in a, in a lazy Sunday, I binge 10 hours of content. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, uh, I feel like they definitely, um, didn't play it safe to your point. They, they could have, they could have tried to, to make it a lot more tied into the game to satisfy their, their impression of what fans would want. And I right. think what they did instead was probably satisfy fans of the game also mm-hmm. and then also make something that someone like me who doesn't play League of Legends can also be really engaged by um well and I think it's I think it's the it's the exact right play to make right like a TV show should serve to market the game instead of the game marketing I, I think that wow right. marketed the Warcraft movie Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, 100%. but what Arcane does is Arcane stands on its own and markets the game. Well, and I think all, I mean, because the truth is, is like, I mean, <laughs> full disclosure, I'm still never going to go play League of Legends. Right. And and I have played it. And it's not that I think it's a terrible game. Honestly, it's a huge commitment of time to get good at it and understand mm-hmm. it. And I don't know four other people that would play on my team. And <laughs> right. I'm not pugging right no the rest of but my life. if you did you would be just as excited for jinx's minigun 
<laughs> right. the launcher attack. And maybe even more so if that was your only experience. And I think that that's marketing genius. Well, what? yeah. Well, and what I was going to say, though, is like, I think that it does a great job because now I am a fan of Riot's IP mm-hmm. without having to experience it in that way. And that's similar to I have zero interest in playing Warhammer 40K tabletop. Right. But a year and a half ago or whatever, I read the Eisenhorn Warhammer series. Right. And... I now consider myself a pretty big fan of Warhammer 40k and I've never played the tabletop and probably never will. Right. And it's like, because they have these other avenues of content that are engaging it, it, it just allows to draw more people in and like Warhammer. Well, yeah. 40k is probably the coolest IP out there period. And I would have never known that if it wasn't for the books. And I think that the league of legends IP is really, really awesome. And I would have never known that if it wasn't for arcane, because I'm not going to go play the game for a thousand hours. Right. But now if they put out uh, a six issue special comic book series about Echo's life between being a kid and being the leader of the gang that he is in the end of Arcane, I could be interested in that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And we'll pick that up. And and again, never like I'm I'm never going back to League of Legends. Right. Not. I like the IP, though. And I may pick up a comic book series or a movie or a TV show and participate in that discourse, which I mean, yeah, sure. They're probably going to drop additional skins in the game and whatever and new characters based on Jace's girlfriend is now playable in League of Legends who, you know, whatever. But being able to engage with the IP without having to engage with the primary way in which that IP was developed, mm-hmm. like... Nobody is watching a World of Warcraft movie sequel. No one. Fans of the game aren't watching it. <laughs> and and people that only saw the movie aren't watching it. But yeah, I think I would that hope. I would hope. <laughs> a few people might try out League of Legends having only seen the TV show and maybe they stay, maybe they don't. But they may engage in other avenues of con- of content consumption, which I definitely will. I, I mean, I loved I, I was brought in by, you know, KDA pop stars brought me back into League of Legends. I was like, mm. that is something I mean, they, of course, have had a couple of videos with Imagine Dragons, which they use for their intro. Uh, so they are, already had some popularity there. I was excited by that. Um, I, I, I liked seeing that as their intro song and and these head nods to and some of them bigger than others. Right. Like being your intro song is probably a pretty big head nod. But it's Netflix, so the skip intro button exists. So I don't know how much credit you really get there. <laughs> but <laughs> Right. But I watched it the first time and maybe once around episode five or so while I was making my lunch. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um, I mean, so I'm not going to play League of Legends, but I probably will pick up their single player turn based RPG that they mm-hmm. released. That's in that's again based on that IP, because now I understand how cool that universe or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it is. And so it's like, Oh, well, I am interested in that. Maybe um, I will read some of the pop-up lore buckets that talk about this other country. Like, well, and I think it, it you know, you, the word you used before was that it's like, it's marketing genius and you're right. That is what it is. But this is where it gets into like marketing can be this like dirty, gross, like, Ooh, they're trying to sell me, Tide pods, and I don't care about that right now, or whatever, right? Or they're trying to sell me whatever 
uh, pharmaceutical thing if you watch TV yeah, ever. Oh, God. But marketing as just as an idea is not inherently, doesn't inherently mean that. It also is like telling people about something that you think they would be compelled by. Now, maybe that's because you want to sell it to them. And in this case, they definitely want people to buy League of Legends skins or the single player oh, game that sure. I'm going to buy or whatever, Netflix subscriptions. But it they legitimately have created something cool. So I'm not mad that they've created other no. avenues to expose me to that because I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I think I think that it's them. kind of the difference between marketing and branding. Yeah. Like this is definitely branding. Yeah, it is. It is broadening the scope of their available products because now they can sell you a TV show when they were a video game before. Mm -hmm. Like it was just a video game and they did some music videos and they had some good 3D animation studio help, you know, but now they're also pushing into the 3D animation space and competing in in its starved market. Pixar is not making the Incredibles three rated R. Right. <laughs> like, like, and so that market space is starved for content. Steampunk content has not gotten the wins that it deserves to be accepted as a, a fun combination of fantasy and sci-fi. Like right. there's been a few forays into it but nobody with enough money to really show what steampunk can look like outside of, I mean, I guess Nickelodeon's Korra, you know, and, and Avatar the last airbender kind of broached that some, but not even fully. They didn't continue to do it. Right. Right. Korra came out years ago and nobody since has touched that, even though it's been shown to have a big market share. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I, you know, I, cause I, you know, uh something like wow even has steampunky elements right mm -hmm. like there's the, the dwarf engineer has a little helicopter or whatever kind of thing but you don't really see it like in 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 arcane you have steampunky kind of things but then jinx just has a mini gun mm -hmm. that's not steampunk <laughs> like that's a mini gun. right and right. it's not that's a steampunk just a mini, mini gun no it's, a, it's, it's just, just a straight a mini up mini gun yeah right so it's like I really appreciate how how many different genres isn't really maybe that's the right word. I don't know, but just different areas they kind of pull together to create this very unique world that's not really like anything else I've ever seen. Um, like a yeah. fighter jet would not be out of place in our right. Yeah, like right, they already exactly. have the hoverboards and the miniguns and the yep. Magitech. I I actually really like that. I'm a little bit mad that. Uh, so Magitech was probably my favorite word for steampunk magic, which is mm. Final Fantasy VI. Um, and Hex Core is like, that's just like, I, I'm, I'm mad that I didn't come up with that. Because like <laughs> Hextech is so catchy that right. I'm like, I that replaces Magitech now. Right. Like Hextech and Hex Core are the new in. Right. And I think that's a perfect evolution of the, just just in the name of something. Right. Like, I'm so frustrated that I didn't come up with that because <laughs> I want to use that terminology and I can't now. Oh, I'm sure people... Riot would not mind if you want to run around and talk about Hextech yeah, as some, much as you want. Yeah, right. Yeah. Some fan service on that. Note. Like, <laughs> oh, as long Lord. as you don't sell Hextech shirts or something. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, it well, frustrates me, though, like. 
I wish that's so catchy. I love it so much. Yeah, no, it's great. Any other thoughts you wanted to touch on on Arcane? I mean, it's really good. Yeah, I'm frustrated that it's going to be another year or two before a sequel to that. I, I am looking forward to I mean, I'm I am not a Critical Role season three fan. I was a Critical Role season two fan. But the Critical Role animated series is now starting to show up in billboards and advertising for Amazon. And I think it's going to be in the same vein. I think it's going to be a more adult cartoon. It's going to be 2D animated Mm -hmm. uh, instead of 3D animated. But I think that it may be something in between Invincible and Arcane. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see. Like Riot is not a B-rate studio. Right. And they haven't been for a long time, but they're not a leader in animation like Pixar is. And so it's easy to see them as more quote unquote indie for being like, it's, I don't know. There's something to be said for multinational brands to still be in the indie sphere. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think the reason it feels that way is because until now they've only had one product. Right. That is League of Legends. So even though League of Legends is this massive thing, I mean, you know, Blizzard and as ubiquitous as WoW was, still had Diablo and StarCraft and then eventually Overwatch and Hearthstone. And so it's like there's, it's it was more than one IP, more than one right. product, right? And in this case, I mean, League of Legends, in League of Legends, there isn't League of Legends 2 and 3, right? There's just League of Legends. True. So I think that's where that kind of indie feeling comes from because it's just been one thing the whole time. It hasn't been multiple releases and multiple marketing pushes for this new product that they're now releasing. Yeah, we're not on Assassin's Creed 12 here. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But even Ubisoft, if Ubisoft were to make, you know, an Assassin's Creed Origins movie or something like. There would still be indie in the movie sense. Yeah, they they may be established in the gaming sense. I think there is an Assassin's Creed I actually movie with Jake is. Gyllenhaal. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, Ooh, no, I, that might be Prince of Persia. I think that's Prince oh, of Persia. Oh wow, I'm wrong. No, you're right. Yep. You're right. Yeah, but well, there's been so many video game movie flops, right? I mean, that almost like, exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's was there one that was good. I couldn't think of it right now, so we'll just go with no. I think more movies that became games were decent than games became movies. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll not. We don't have the time for that. <laughs> um, I but I but I think that it's it's interesting to see that branching out of true multimedia marketing, right? Where you can have, I mean, Critical Roles had more comics books. Then, then, you know, I guess they've had more Twitch streams than comic books and then more comic books than shows. But they're about to come out with a show that's like guaranteed for two, at least two or three seasons, I think. And that's huge. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see, you know, The Witcher was a book series. Sure, but it was a more successful video game. Um, and now it's getting a TV show that's branching into, again, like you said, with 40K, a market that was untapped. I don't think 40K, I don't think Games Workshop is taking the right modus operandi for marketing their video content. That's a whole discussion of its own. Yeah, they've, they, I don't, I don't know what the deal there is because 
there's definitely, you know, there's indie videos of 40K that are made that are really good. Um, and there are some video games that are okay, but for whatever reason, they just can't find a partner that can take that IP and just make something totally awesome with it. Like, I think it's they're always... trying to, like, keep it too much. Like, they, for as much as they outsource, like, every game is made by a different studio. And some are good and most are bad. They're trying to make their own version of Netflix off of like two indie computer animators. Mm. They're like, we have we have like two indie YouTubers, so we're going to make our own Netflix. And it's like, no, just hire those YouTube animators to make something for Netflix. Right. Like, like you're big. Yes, but you're not that big. I know, and it's disappointing because that IP is nuts. It like, is that, I, that IP is so cool. There's it, it but I'm not going to pay twelve dollars a month for a subscription to a couple of painting videos that I could find on YouTube <laughs> and one cool indie animator. Like, right. yeah, it's not going to happen. But yeah, but I, hope, I, I mean, will definitely watch for Arcane season two. Yeah, I'm in for that. I'm going to watch for Witcher the season three. Yeah, you know, like. I'm already paying for Netflix, so just put it there. If if they would have put Astartes on Netflix, then right. you're done. Like, they would have made so much money. They just wouldn't <laughs> have made all of the money. Right. And Games Workshop wants to make all of the money. And they're not gonna. 3D printers exist. YouTube exists. Netflix exists. Leverage those things. I don't know. Some companies right. are doing it right. Some aren't. Yeah. That is all for the episode today. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Walker Near, and uh, pick up your sticks for a little bit of cross-platform integration, if you all will. So uh, I appreciate everything that you guys have done. If you have enjoyed this episode, consider clicking on that star rating or dropping a review in your podcast app of choice, or maybe checking out the Pick Up Your Sticks podcast, because uh, I think it's pretty neat. All the contact information and links that were discussed in the episode can be found down in the doobly-doo in the description of this episode. And if you'd like to support the podcast, maybe toss a few coins over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with every single one of you. And as always, please remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.